Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome to another episode of Sky Women. Welcome back. I am so excited that you're here with us today. Before we get started with this episode, I want to remind any of you who are female physicians listening that the ACE Conference, the Authenticity, Courage, and Empowerment Conference for Women Physicians is coming up in April 28th to May 1st in San Antonio, Texas, and registration is now open. So if you want to create your new normal for living and working, this conference is designed for you. It's a place to rest, restore, and recharge. And I would love to see you there. I am speaking and the women who are in the lineup, I'm just like, pinch me. I can't believe that I'm on this list. (laughs) So please go register if if you've been considering, if you need some encouragement and empowerment. All right, friends, on with the episode today. I have Dr. Serene Sharif. She's a trauma acute care surgeon and mindfulness and productivity coach. She helps high-performing women struggling with burnout and overwhelm to take control of their time, mind, and energy. Her mindfulness and productivity systems, which she calls MAPS, is a framework that is a powerful tool to provide the energy of mindfulness with the scientific principles of habit building and your unique systems of productivity. Her goals are to help you discover clarity, design your dream life, and build nano habits, as well as mindful productivity systems that help you live your best life. Welcome, Dr. Sharif. Hi, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So thrilled to have you. I mean, that one phrase where you help them design their dream life, like that is my goal, (laughs) to help women feel empowered in their life, to really take those steps toward being intentional. And I think that is one thing that COVID taught us is how to slow down and truly be intentional with our time. However, many are still struggling. So I am so delighted to know about your work and what you're doing. Why don't you get us started and just tell us a little bit about you and how from a trauma surgeon to a productivity coach, what was that path like for you? Well, I honestly, I tell people I became a productivity coach because of my trauma background. So, you know, really I've wanted to be a surgeon ever since I was a kid. It sounds like a very cliche story, but it was true. I loved it. Like I loved anatomy and I loved the impact that I, that I saw, you know, with my little eyes as a kid, but the impact of someone struggling with appendicitis or, you know, uh, or cancer, or all of those types of things. And I felt like, you know, surgery was this amazing transition to health. Of course, I didn't know all of the things at that time. It doesn't sure. work that way. But, you know, when I was a kid, I just felt like it really connected to a part of my heart where I felt like, you know, I really wanted to help others and I wanted to create impact. So and I say that because I want to, I want to share with you, like how much of a dream it was. And I worked really everything in my life revolved around that journey. And I, um, along the way, you know, met a wonderful man, got married, but I felt like my focus, you know, was very much on, okay, you know, like I, I want to get into a surgery residency and I want to do this and I want to do that. So all of the things, and I think along the way, I just kind of lost a little bit about a little bit of myself in pursuit of this goal. 
in pursuit of this, like my goal. Right. And I, I don't know if anyone else has ever felt that where they're just like putting their head down, right. Putting their head down and working and working. Like, I mean, I have pictures, family pictures where I am literally in the corner on a sofa sleeping because you know, I mean, even before residency, I would work 80, 100 hour weeks, just trying to do all of the things, fill my resume, do my, you know, do all of my volunteering, my leadership, et cetera. And so one day, okay, about the time I finished out my residency, because I was like, okay, as soon as I finish my residency, like my life will be my own again. So I started work, you know, I had the most amazing first job, really, I'm so lucky. And I lifted my head. And I'm just like, where am I? What's going on? <laughs> Why am I here? And I, I didn't recognize myself. Like I felt like I had no life. Um, I actually didn't have any life. So that was true. You had a very full <laughs> life, but it was all work. Well, well, true. Exactly. I mean, I worked all the time. And it, when I wasn't working, I was in private practice and I trained in a very academic uh, program. So private practice was like this new journey completely. So I was, you know, marketing and connecting with others and doing sure. all of the things that we never really learn in academics. No, not and, at all. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, you know, so everything was sort of, you know, shiny and bright in the beginning. And I, I was very excited. I loved it. But yeah, I just realized that my, my life was very, I guess, unidimensional, if that's the word. Right, right. And so at that time, I started kind of thinking, okay, what do I need to do? I, I wasn't, you know, I was at that time, I just had my third baby. And I realized, you know, I don't really have much time to spend with my children. I had gone back to work. My little one at the time, she had a a few, you know, medical problems that thankfully is resolved since then, but there were a lot of extra needs. Mm -hmm. And I honestly had no extra to give, you know, like I had no space in my, in my life, I felt like, and I'm like, how is that possible? It's my child. Let me guess, you weren't taking care of yourself either. Either. Exactly. You weren't on the list. That was the other thing. Like I felt so exhausted, uh, pregnancy and, um, and, uh, you know, childbirth and then all of the, you know, breastfeeding and everything after like it wipes you down. And I was just like, I, I, I can't, I don't know what to do. What's wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. Cause that's gotta be it. Okay. So I want to interrupt was, you for a second. Yeah, yeah. What year was this in practice? This was in, uh, my youngest was born in 2013. 2013. Okay. So how many years out of residency are you when this happens? About a year and a half. Oh, so, so not that quickly. Not yeah, it was actually, she was my surprise baby because okay. I wasn't, I wasn't planning to have, I was fine with two. I was happy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it's like surprise, <laughs> but she's amazing. And honestly, I, I feel like um, she's sort of the bond that connects my other two children and, and all of the beautiful things. So, yes. yeah. So it was, it was, it was really a lot. I think, you know, I was just fresh out of residency, you know, then it, there was this pregnancy and then I'm trying to learn all of the things. And I had never taken time to take care of myself. So, so really my response to any stressor was frustration and anger and self-blame and, you know, just a lot of like 
negative emotions that really weren't adding any value to my life. So at that time, I was, I think at that time I was sort of like, yeah, I feel a little burnt out, but you know what? It's fine. It's going to get better because things are always going to get better. I tend to be mostly a positive sort of minded person. So same. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like, you know, it's going to get better. It, yeah. It's the arrival fallacy, right? When I'm done yeah. with residency, when I'm done with fellowship. Oh, you know, once I'll I get married after I had the kids. Yes. Yes. Totally. Totally. And so at that time, I I started doing all of the things that I felt I needed to, to be more productive because I thought my problem was that I, I just, you know, like there were just these secret productive productivity hacks that somehow would make my life better. Yeah. So and you somehow didn't learn them I <laughs> and you're 13 them. plus years of training. <laughs> Well, and to be honest, you know, I've always been fascinated by productivity. So I have always been a productivity nerd and done all of the things, but now I like ramped it up. I mean, I was like, I'm going to be the world's most productive person. I'm going to do it all because everyone says we can do it all. You can have kids, you can work, you know, a hundred hours, you can take care of yourself. Like you can do all of the things. Mm -hmm. So then I, I spent a few years spinning my wheels, like being more productive, being more productive, trying to squeeze more and more and, and. Honestly, that just made me more burnt out. And then I thought, again, this sort of, I'll be happy when. So I thought, well, maybe the problem is I'm just not in the right place. So maybe I need New job. to move. Because <laughs> if I move, I can take all of the skills that I have learned and yeah. it's going to be somehow better. So I do that. And um, the problem is wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> I love that. That is so true. And and um, so again, you know, awesome job. I mean, I, I've really been grateful. I've I've always I feel like I've always found that right fit. And then and it was it was an employed position, so I didn't have to. Because the, the thing that I did, it, what, what did improve is I didn't have to do all of the private practice stuff, which you know was something that I felt like was taking me away from patient care. Mm-hmm. So that little bit did improve. And I was closer to family. So that was actually even better. And so I'm in this place. I have this dream job. You know, I have three amazing children, a husband. Like I am living my dream life. And I think, what is wrong with me? I am, I'm like the most unhappy I've ever been. So I realized, honestly, it's just, it's, it's not just about like the productivity hacks and the working harder and all of the things. What I lacked at that moment in time. And, and I feel like this is, has, this has been like the magic sauce in my life is, is just being present, mm-hmm. being mindful, mm-hmm. being connected to myself, to the moment, to the other people in my life. Uh, I did in the meantime, also go through a little like spiral of burnout and, and just like, I, it wasn't a, a beautiful epiphany. It was a no, messy, no, no. <laughs> a messy yeah, downward I, spiral. <laughs> It, it sounds so peaceful. It's like, oh, I just needed more mindfulness. No, what happened was I fell off the cliff. Yes. <laughs> and there was like this big fat. I actually, I, I, I went in, I handed my resignation letter because I'm like, there is something wrong with me. I, I, you know, and I, and that's really what I thought. Like there was something wrong with me. It was just full of like a lot of self-blame and judge, self-judgment and, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. 
But, you know, I, I um, don't begrudge my journey because it, it did get me to where I am now. But yes, it was very messy. So for a few years, this was in 20, I think at the, the cliff falling was 2017. But yeah, I resigned in 2018 early. And I honestly thought I was going to quit surgery because I'm like, maybe it's just, you know, even though it was my dream, but maybe it is not meant to be like, that's not my thing. Maybe it's not your dream anymore. Yeah. 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 And um, so I um, took a sabbatical and I um, actually started teaching medical students and in, in first and second years. And I mean, if anyone feels burnt out or, you know, feels like they've lost the magic, I think spending time with people who are sort of earlier, right? In our career. Yeah. yeah, It, I mean, they are so full of magic Mm -hmm. and honestly, they reconnected me to the things that I fell in love with surgery. What Mm -hmm. I realized is that I love surgery. I just don't want to do it a hundred hours a week or even 80 hours a week. Like that was just not my dream, you know, and my dream included a little bit more time spent being mindful in what I do, not just, you know, and, and having more than just surgery in my life, I guess. So, yeah, so I designed my life intentionally, filled it with the things that I love. And I'd love to say like, yeah, I did that in 2018 and it's been perfect since then. (laughs) But you, you know, as well as anyone who's done this work is it's never that way. You Mm -hmm. do, you do this and then, and then you kind of like, you know, maybe if, if actually, if everything's great, 50% of it works, and then the, the rest of the stuff, you got to keep tweaking. I actually just tweaked my life design a couple of weeks ago to include something that I have been trying for a few few years now, um, which is being intentional about time away from work. You know, like initially I thought, oh, I'll create white space. That'll work. Tried it, worked initially, but then it not anymore. And then I tried a few other things. And ultimately, the last few weeks, I've been using this thing called a Google Calendar. And, and I, I, just, I mean, I was using it before, but, um, yeah. but what I did was I this magical space, this magical space <laughs> called Google Calendar. And what I did was I just put a block that says rest. And I cannot put anything in that block that says rest. So I looked at, you know, how I, how I do time management is really, I look at 168 hours and I kind of divide how I want that time to be spent. So I wanted to, you know, I said, okay, this is how many hours I want to be resting, meaning like I am not doing like chores or errands or laundry or any of those things. Like I am just doing nothing. Or, I mean, if I want to like, you know, go for a walk or read a book or watch Netflix, I could do that, but, um, but not anything that I feel like is on my to-do list. And um, it's actually been amazing. It's been so amazing. Yeah. Just time to be, just be present with yourself. So that's kind of been my journey. You know, I feel like along the way, I've met so many amazing women, including you who, you know, just really inspired me to say that, you know, none of us, we feel alone when we go through this. Mm -hmm. We feel alone when we struggle with getting up in the morning or feeling like, you know, I mean, I just have to make it through bedtime or dinner time and somehow like, especially when your kids are little, you're like, is it bedtime? Yes. Yes. And especially after this whole like daylight change, whatever thing that's going on. Right. So you're not alone and and I'm not alone. And I think that's been the most magical part of my journey is just knowing that, you know, all of the messiness is truly where life is and it's, it's okay. Yeah. I love this idea of 
just being willing to be curious and to pivot when necessary, mm-hmm. right? So you're you're constantly tweaking what's, you know, okay, well, maybe this isn't working quite right in my life, right? And so it's it's not perfect. Yeah. And it's not, it's not always a pretty path. <laughs> No, <laughs> but, but you don't have to go through the corn maze alone. <laughs> Absolutely. First of all, that would be so freaky. And I did, you know, like, I mean, I, I have to confess part of my journey was alone. And, and that was because I just felt like, you know, I, I couldn't share. I mean, oh, I, yeah, the fact that I like what I just shared right now, honestly, like five years ago, I, I mean, even with my close friends, I never really shared, oh, I'm struggling. Like, I really can't get up tomorrow morning and do the things that I have to. I mean, I get up and do it, but I just don't, you know, like that's that internal struggle. I was always a very, you know, private kind of person. And and I felt like, you know, there was this expectation really by myself that, oh, I would just like put on a happy face. I was the oldest in my family and in my culture, you know, we don't share problems. We just yeah. like suck it up. <laughs> You know, put on a smile. Yeah. Yeah. Put on a smile. You keep going. Yeah. I totally relate to that because um, whenever it was five years into practice, whenever I felt like, okay, is this it? And I, you know, started shifting and transitioning to hospital work and staying home with two small kids and having my oldest go live with his dad and then having a third child. I mean, I felt so lonely, so isolated. Like my career was passing me by. What am I going to do next? you know, and just not cherishing the moment of, you know, those three years that I took to just be with my little ones and have that flexibility. And it felt very lonely. And that was before I would dare to put anything on social media. (laughs) You know, now I feel like there's such a welcoming environment. Um, I felt like Instagram is very women empowering women. You know, it's very positive vibe. I've really enjoyed that. And it's kind of fun to see all the podcasts that we have now to know that we really are not alone in these shared lived experiences. And that is one of my mission with Sky Women. So I thank you so much for sharing your story because it is a long journey, right? And and God bless if somebody else can learn something from our journey to make it somewhat easier, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, if I, if I had anything to, to say to my younger self is just, you know, like that it's okay. Yeah. You know, that it's, this is just like, there are some hard moments, but you're not alone and maybe even connect to others earlier. I think it, Mm -hmm. you know, it could have helped. So I hope that yes, this message, anyone who's listening and feeling like they're the only person who is like screwed up or, you know, like, yeah. or screwing things up. Just know it's, you know, you're not alone. And honestly, you're not screwing up. This is just our journey to learn to get to the next, next yeah. level, next step. Yeah. And if anyone wants, you know, some parenting advice, I forgot to send my pre-K with a snack. So, you know, that was my day today. It's like ah, mother of the year award right here. <laughs> no food in his bag. It's all right. You know, children are way more resilient than you realize. Like, that's what I learned. I have, um, I'm I'm living the experience of uh, elementary, middle and high school all at once. I don't have the preschool going on right now. So that's that's a bonus. But but yeah, it's, um, there's always something. There's always something that you're forgetting or they're forgetting. And you're like, ah, that's life. Right. Absolutely. And I think that managing our mind and knowing that all we can control is how we show up as a parent, right? Um, And how we show up for ourselves. 
And I think that that's what so often we're missing as women. We tend to put ourselves on the back burner. So I want to talk about these nano habits that you've created within your system. Tell us all about your system and what in the world are nano habits? Sure. So really the way I've designed the system to work is is similar things to what you were saying, uh, which is connecting to our thoughts, building mindfulness. And for me, mindfulness, you know, is mindfulness is really, it is not, you know, yes, wonderful things for 45 minutes meditation and all of the, you know, beautiful things that we associate, but mindfulness to me is, am I where I am? You know, what, what did you say earlier? You know, there, like, wherever there you, you go, go, there you are. Yeah, there you are. I mean, <laughs> that is mindfulness. So, you know, when I'm doing morning wake up, <clears throat> am I like five steps ahead doing, you know, something else in my mind or am I, you know, am I doing five steps ahead um, or am I, am I really there? You know, instead of like snapping at the kids, Hey, come on, let's go, let's go. We're late. Am I spending the moment with them and helping them connect to their own waking up process and being yes. mindful in that? Am I mindful when I cook, when I mm-hmm. walk, when I, you know, take a shower? Mm-hmm. I use a lot of short meditations to connect to our five senses and journaling prompts. I feel like journaling and these short meditation or mindfulness activities, it really helps us connect to a space that we don't tend to connect very often, which is our subconscious, right? most of the time, like the thought pops in our head and that's, you know, we think, oh, this thought is true, but really this thought is coming up from a million thoughts under the surface. And it's not even, you know, it's just our sort of interpretation of what the circumstances are at the time. So, you know, my system really focuses on how do you connect to ourselves when we have thoughts that, you know, how to understand that this is just one interpretation. If that thought isn't serving you, isn't giving, you know, letting you live your best life, mm-hmm. then change it, <laughs> then drop it, then do something with it. Right. Um, Sounds so simple, right? But it's, it's hard to do. It takes some work and you don't have to do that alone either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As we have like 6,000 thoughts a day. Like you get to choose which ones to hang on to. Absolutely. And I agree. It sounds so simple, but it took so long for me to really kind of work through Mm -hmm. um, like this corn maze of thoughts and say, where am I going with this? Where am I going with that? Mm -hmm. And so every, you know, our feelings are always related to our thought in the moment. Mm -hmm. And so when I I used to wake up with, you know, like whatever, I mean, I wake up feeling frustrated, wake up feeling joyful. And I'm like, oh, this is just the way the world is today. No, it's just my thought you know, whatever it was when I woke up. So I think that was the, that was an incredibly powerful realization and connection. So I I really get kind of digging deep into that Mm -hmm. space of connecting to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then from that space, really building clarity, building a vision, designing, you know, what you want to see in your life. Mm -hmm. And then we break it down into habits and, and each habit actually gets broken down further into nano habits. So nano habits are, you know, like these nanoparticles that create a habit. So for instance, I wanted to build a habit of drinking, you know, water. I mean, you know, as a surgeon, honestly, I, if I got 16 ounces of water a day, like I, I considered that a good day. Right. Um, and, uh, I felt like I was going through, you know, some changes in my life, trying to be healthier, trying to pay more attention to my body. And I said, you know what? I would love to create a habit 
just, you know, of drinking 80 ounce of water starting from 16. <laughs> so um, what I did was, uh, and it actually took over about a year and it was little, little steps at a time. So I, um, I brought really pretty water bottles like these. Uh-huh. And She's got the holding of a sparkly water bottle. <laughs> yeah. So, and, um, you know, I started getting like aromatherapy drops. I actually experimented a lot. Initially I used to drink a lot of soda. So it was just switching one soda can for a glass of water. And, and then that didn't go too great. So then I ended up switching the soda for sparkling water. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you kind of have to play with it a little bit, but it's really creating these teeny tiny steps that helps you build a big habit. Mm-hmm. But if you try to do, I mean, if I went from 16 to 80 ounce in one day, yeah, maybe I can do it for a few days or even a few weeks, but the sustainability is not very good. First of all, because if the first day that I fail, my brain is going to be like, you suck. You're not doing a good job. See, I told you you couldn't yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I knew you couldn't do it anyway. This is just too hard. Yeah. And emotions create um, sustainability in our habits. So trying to have these wins. Um, right now I'm actually doing a, a nano habit buildup for a half marathon with awesome. my, with my 13 year old. Yeah. So wow. we both, um, I, I did it once before. So, you know, it, it, I, so I know like some of the steps, but I'm kind of starting over with him. He's never done it. And we're just starting with, you know, simple sort of habit design and, and I'm sharing it on social media for anybody who wants to follow, but really looking at, you know, what are ways that we take something big, like a half marathon or even a marathon or whatever, 80 ounce of water. I mean, could be any of these. And then how do we break it down into teeny tiny steps? And then you do it every week and you think you're not making a huge progress because you're like, oh, I'm just making a little change this week. But after four weeks, I mean, we are already doing, you know, three to four miles at a time. We're increasing our speed. I mean, we're doing so much more. And we both kind of started off like with very like a mile <laughs> to our credit to start. Right. Right? So, right. so we weren't, you know, eventually we built to about 30 plus miles a week. And, um, yeah. And, and, you know, like what, I I mean, I love that he's my accountability partner. He actually agreed as I was talking you through, he said, I'll do that with you. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, you know, nano habits are really just taking your vision, your goals, like the things you want to see in your life and turning them into an automated behavior, which is really what habit is. And then taking that behavior and cutting into a thousand pieces so that you can just do it one step at a time. And, you know, you don't have to feel that hard climb. You're just going to go a little step at a time. And before right. you know it, you know. You're right. So then you get to celebrate each of those little steps along the way. And you feel you're, you're tricking your brain. Like, <laughs> yeah. see, I told you could do it. You're making yeah. great success. Way to go. Exactly. Look at that progress. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So how can others learn about your program? I know you have a lot of free content as well to help people get started. So talk us through that. Yeah. And actually, this is the perfect time. I just finished designing. I'm going to put it out there. So I have a 21-day a habits challenge coming up in December and it's free. Um, it's a lot of free content, actually. They'll get a personalized workbook that they can work through. There's going to be some journaling and meditation prompts and really helping them figure out, you know, design what they want to see design and have some clarity on the, on their life vision and then help them create their keystone habit. Now, a lot of times people ask me what it is. I'm just going to explain it, but a keystone habit, it actually comes from, well, comes from a lot of 
lot of research, let's just say, but um, the Charles Duhigg writes about it in his book, uh, The Power of Habit. I love reading any books on habit that's out there. Like I'm on it, but I love his book. He talks a lot about the science, you know, behind habit building, especially like some of the um, scientific data from like, you know, I mean, probes trying to figure out which part of our brain lights up and how do we sustain habits and how is memory formed? And, you know, how are things that we feel like, oh, this is just what I do. You don't know how you develop that as a habit. So keystone habit, as um, Charles Duhigg describes it, is small changes or habits that people introduce into their routines that unintentionally carry over into other aspects of their lives. So it's essentially a simple step that you create, and then it has a ripple effect, and it kind of makes changes in other parts of your life. So, you know, people talk about like, you know, oh, the, the, if you make your bed in the morning... I mean, making a bed doesn't necessarily create any significant change, right? But it creates a belief in your brain. Oh, I'm the person who, who makes my bed, who, you know, does this stuff. Yeah, and it's starting the day off with a win. Like you've already accomplished yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. I and make my even, kids make their bed every morning. Yeah. I love it. Uh, and, you know, like then when you get to bed, you don't have to make the bed at that time. You know, everything's ready. Right. But it's, but it's also creating an identity of who you are. You know, what, what do you do? What do you believe in? What are you committed to? So I would love to have people join me for this challenge. Um, it's going to be from December 1st to the 21st. And really the major sort of mindset work is in the first week, because what we do is we really explore what we want, each of us. So you all get to create your own habit, right? Yeah. And then and then you take it and, and I hope you break it into these nano habits. And the second and third week, we're really putting it into, you know, into effect and, and, you know, creating a sustainable habit. It takes 21 days to create a habit. So initially this was going to be a one week challenge, but I listened to what people wanted and I said, okay, fine, I'll, I'll do the 21 days because I think it really creates an accountability and a shift in the way our brain is wired. Right. So I am excited to share that with everyone. Awesome. And so how can they find it? Um, it's on my website, uh, serenitywellnessmd.com forward slash 21 day challenge. Awesome. Okay. And they can find you on Facebook and on Instagram. Correct. Yeah. So uh, they can find me uh, mindfulness and productivity systems. I have a Facebook group as well as a page and Instagram as well. And um, all of the things LinkedIn. (laughs) Okay. I'll put it all on the show notes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'll put it all on the show notes. So it makes it easy. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. All right. I want to ask you a few last questions. Do you have a minute? Okay. Sure. So you talked about designing your life and you're still a trauma surgeon and you're a mom of three and you're a wife and all of these things. So what does your typical week look like? So I want to like my, my trauma surgery, you know, acute care part, I'm actually only doing it part-time. I do local. So, so that helps. So I don't actually have a typical week. Oh, okay. Because but with locums, I, let's explain, because not everybody knows what locums are. Locums yeah. is where you can just pick an assignment. So you may go one week out of the month or you may do a few days here and there. Yeah. And there's so much need really. So I'm, I'm always trying to set my boundaries and be, you know, honor my time as well as their time. So I, I do anywhere between seven to 10 days. Sometimes it's a little bit more and sometimes it's a little bit less. And so I do travel for that. And then when I'm home, pretty much it's, you know, the kids are in school, you know, I do drop off 
pick up after school activities, that type of stuff. And then during the day, I, I kind of spin my dream, I guess, you know, I work on coaching, I um, work on creativity and just things that bring joy to me. And, and newly, I'm committed to bringing rest back. And resting more because um, when I do work, you know, when I do travel for locums, it's really intense and it's it's very busy. So I want to make sure that, you know, I don't come home and the rest of the time, like when kids are in school, I'm just working all day either. So I, I really try to be mindful to bring rest back in there as well. Great. Great. Okay. So each week, week to week, you're planning your schedule. Yeah. yeah. So what I, and I think I mentioned this earlier, but just for people who might have a different, you know, like a lot of times people think, oh, I don't have a routine. It's hard for me to like have this design. Right. And I used to feel the same way. In fact, I am a person who very much like, I love routine. It actually calms my mind. Mm-hmm. So um, when I shifted to this uh, form of life about four years ago, it was, it was quite a challenge, but sure. this, is, this is actually how I set my week. So I plan my week, not like on a daily basis. I plan it on a weekly basis. And I have, I create that time inventory of 168 hours. And then I think about, okay, what are all the things that I want to do this week? And then I put those as chunks into my calendar. And then, then I have a block, like this is the only block I'm allowed to schedule things. Or if I, you know, for some reason, like kids have an activity or I need to change, then I will shift it. But yeah, I'm very mindful of how I use my time because I've worked really hard to protect my time. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to just give it up and um, right. be intentional right. about how I spend it. Right. I just love this idea of us being more intentional in our lives because I feel like so often we're just like on the treadmill (laughs) in the hamster wheel, you know, just do going through the motions, going through the motions and just slowing down and really, you know, do I want to run that treadmill? Right. Like you get to make these choices. I think it's just beautiful because it helps us to live richer lives. Absolutely. And you know, one other thing that popped up too is it helps us create the boundaries because Mm -hmm. our brain always like, you know, we, we tell ourselves these lies. Oh, you can do one more thing. You know, you can, you can do all of that. Right. Especially the queen of positivity. I mean, (laughs) exactly. Oh, I could totally squeeze that. And I have extra 15 minutes, Uh but when you have like your time intentionally set up, even before the week starts, or you have, you know, something come up at work, like a new role or position, then it makes you think, okay, my time is already scheduled. Mm -hmm. If I want to do this one thing and maybe you do, then how does that affect my time and my intention? Yes. Well, and something has to come out, right? It is, you, it's hard. I mean, we want to squeeze more in, but you know, I stopped like just adding, like if I want to add something in, I have to take something of equal time out because ultimately if not, what happens is it, it all adds up. And then we're working late at night and we're getting up early in the morning and we're not honoring our your time. own health. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then what's on your nightstand? This is, <laughs> I'd love to ask people what's on your nightstand. Well, I have uh, some candles and I have actually my water bottle and, and I have a couple of aromatherapy bottles. That's what I got. Okay. I don't, uh, sometimes I'll read on my phone, but um, you know, I'm actually changing my sleep routine a little bit. So I'm trying to sleep with no, like no music playing, nothing like just really connecting 
to um, myself and going to sleep. So it's a work in progress. But so because of that, I don't have anything, you know, no books, nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've got a stack of books on my nightstand. Most of them are left unread because uh, my kids always laugh that uh, whenever I sit down to read to them, I fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, like, I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, you when you lie down first, your, your mind is still so active. Yes. So I have found the, the process of actually just slowing it down and, and really like literally like shutting down the tabs in my brain that itself is so powerful and getting me to sleep. I agree. <laughs> I, agree. I, I always tease that my brain is like my computer, you know, where all the tabs, we've got 14 different yes. tabs open that are working and to-do list. <laughs> Absolutely. So true. Well, thank you for such a relatable conversation because even though most of us are not trauma surgeons, we are, you know, busy in our lives and sometimes they work towards a goal and get there and think, wow, okay, now what? <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's the next step? And I think it's really important message to know that you're not alone in this journey and that there are resources. And thank you for all the resources that you make available. And I will put those in the show notes so that everybody can find you. Thank you. Yes. And also my podcast too, the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Podcast. Oh, yes. Of, and, and you'll be coming up shortly. So. Yes. Yes. Okay. And you have such a soothing voice. Your podcast is very <laughs> serene. It's a great name. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Until next time, be well. Thank you. All right, Sky community. Thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com, request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified OB-GYN with a Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine Fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this, and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website, as mentioned, or on social at Sky Women's Health, or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.